Hey everyone, Steve here, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Freelancer21, Love Latin Beats, and Robert Urban for giving us reviews on iTunes. iTunes does their rankings based on an algorithm of downloads and reviews, so each review we get helps bump us up those podcast charts. If you like what you've heard and you've got a moment, please go to iTunes and give us an honest review. We would appreciate it more than you know, and you'll probably get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks. For the past seven years, every fall, I was in a men's baseball league, 25 and older. And I just had a message uh, while I was out on the field in that seventh year was, you need to now not do this anymore as much as you love to play baseball. And you need to now instead use this time to volunteering and give back to the world. But once I started doing this volunteering, things in my life financially really started to change. And uh, there were some tough moments leading up to it. It wasn't like instantaneously. It's not like the first volunteer work I did that all of a sudden uh, $50,000 showed up in my bank account. But then all of a sudden things really took off Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, entrepreneur and podcaster, Dean Patino. Now, Dean has a podcast called Firestarters, Igniting Recurring Revenue Online. And my co-host, John Ramstead, got to know Dean as we were getting this show ready to launch. John was so impressed with Dean's story and his faith that we knew we had to have him on. Here now is how John got that conversation started. All right. Well, Steve, today on Eternal Leadership, we have a friend yeah. of mine, Dean Patino. And I know you've heard me talk quite a bit about Entrepreneur on Fire and an incredible mastermind group that I joined, you know, when you and I were first talking about just this idea of a podcast before anything had come together. And what I found through Fire Nation Elite was some of the best mentoring not just in podcasting, but just in business, in life, in entrepreneurship, and relationships that I've ever found. And I would call Dean the, the mentor in residence of, of Fire Nation Elite. And, and Dean, I want to thank you. You've sown so much into my life, and I'm really excited to have you on today to, to share about your journey and not only what you've helped us to accomplish, but hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. Well, thanks for having me, John. It's uh, good to be here. And hello, Steve. It's great to be with you guys. So looking forward to a great, inspiring chat. Thanks for the kind words. Well, you know, we're looking for an inspiring chat, too, and I know we're going to find that. So, you know, as we start off, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about who you are, Dean, and your background. People can get to know you before we dive into some of the questions I have for you. Sure, sure, John. Yeah, well, currently, we'll start there. Um, I'm working full-time. Uh, in sales, and I sell into a Fortune 500 companies. Uh, I've been in the software industry for over 25 years, selling to the C level and other levels uh, below that. So it's been an incredibly blessed career I've had being able to do that. Because when I joined the software industry back in 1990, it was just starting to take foothold. So it was like get, literally, it felt like. And still today, like I walked on inside of a rocket ship and it just was getting ready to lift off and it's been just a phenomenal thing. So I'm also a single dad. I have three beautiful kids and I'm also a grandfather, adorable little uh, granddaughter. So uh, my kids, let's see, it's hard to call them kids at these ages, but uh, 27 and uh, well now actually, yeah, they're all, gosh, they grew up so quick, 28, <laughs> 23, and 18. So a son and two daughters, all beautiful kids. My son happily married to his college sweetheart. So 
live out in the uh, western suburbs of Chicago, and life is beautiful. You know, I have many trips down to Chicago back in my sales days when I was running a couple different companies out of Minnesota. That That is just a, a great place to live, isn't it? It is. It's really great. A lot of great family communities out here. And uh, it's it's been a great place professionally as well. A lot of terrific companies that are based out here, a lot of headquarters or in surrounding states as well, like Wisconsin or Minnesota, uh, Michigan and, and Indiana and others, Iowa. Now, the viewers might not know this, but uh, or the listeners, but Steve is from Wisconsin and is quite the Wisconsin fanatic. I'm sure he's wearing some kind of Badger gear right now as we speak. So, <laughs> we have Bears, Vikings, and Packers fans on the uh, the show today. So we can have a little throwdown when we're done. Uh, well, actually, I, even though I'm from Chicago, I am a Minnesota Vikings fan. Whoa! How'd yeah. that happen? I have been. Well, you know, my dad. Uh, uh, well, both my folks were sports fans. My mom actually would watch sports all the time growing up, so we'd always be watching the Blackhawks. But when it came to football, um, my neither of my folks were Bears fans. I'm not really sure why. Uh, my dad actually was the uh, quarterback of his uh, high school football team, and they won the Chicago City Championship his senior year, and he was a starting quarterback. So you'd think he'd have been watching the Bears and a big football fan, but he wasn't really into watching the NFL on TV. You know, was off working and other stuff. He was always out there hustling with his job, or of course, being a dad. And my mom turned out she was a Packers fan. I don't really know where that came from. So I was kind of, even though I grew up watching the the White Sox because we're from the South Side of Chicago, and by law <laughs> you have to be a Sox fan, which is why we're in the Sox hat now. Yes. Um, and then uh, the Blackhawks. We watched a lot of Blackhawks growing up. Um, the Bulls weren't such a big deal, but, you know, I just had a, an alliance with them. And then uh, with football, I was kind of on my own. So just one day, I think this was actually in first or second grade, I was looking through where you could order books. And one of the football books on there was a, or one of the books on there was a football book. And it had Minnesota Vikings on the cover. And I just thought, well, I like this team. And I, through all the heartbreaks and heartaches of Super Bowl losses I've, and ridicule through high school, I stuck with them all the way. So I still am today. Still hoping. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, hope. You can keep hoping. hoping. You can yeah. keep hoping, Dean. Keep hoping. Unfortunately, hope isn't much of a strategy. So talking yeah. about hope and strategy, uh, Dean, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey and you know where you got to uh, you know, in your career and what led you uh, into what you're doing right now in Entrepreneur on Fire. Well, it's, it's again, it's such a blessing. I have to say, I feel like uh, Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life, uh, you know, George Bailey. And I always felt that way. And so it's my favorite movie of all time, just being so grateful for what you have. I, I, I really always feel that way. And so when I uh, graduated high school, I barely wanted to go to college. So I didn't have good grades in high school. I didn't really try at all. I didn't apply myself. So my grades were just like a C or so. And then uh, going into college, I went to community college because my grades weren't really that good to go to some decent university out there, or good university for that matter. So um, I struggled. And then once my friends started graduating from college, and here I am working full-time the whole time and going to school part-time, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I've got to do something here. So I've got to get my act together. My friends are all, and they were graduating. They were often buying condos or houses and brand new cars. And here I am working and not, and making decent income, but not like what they were getting these great jobs out of college. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. 
I mean, I'm way behind my graduating class here. I need to get get going. So uh, to kind of give you a, a, a quick version of the story, I wound up going out to uh, to ABC television in Hollywood to interview. And my dad worked for ABC television for about 35 years or so by the time he retired. And he set up an, uh, interviews for me in uh, Hollywood because in Chicago there was very limited opportunity, but in, in Hollywood there'd be a lot more opportunities to work uh, there because I, I needed to do something with my life. I didn't know what I really wanted to do. And here at the time I was 23 years old. So I, uh, I interviewed and uh, for and my dad said, just take any job, get your foot in the door, just get a job out there. If it's sweeping the, the lots out, just take that. And that was the mentality I went in there with. So one of the interviews I had was with uh, a lady by the name of Loretta Chambers. And, and I feel that people have these angels in their lives. And I believe for me, Loretta was one of them. So I interviewed with her in the finance department. Now, I had zero background in finance. I was working in shipping and receiving at a retail store when I went to fly out to interview. And so it was for a temporary full-time job for the uh, ABC uh, television Summer Olympics coverage they were doing in 1984. So I interviewed with her for this job to be a senior production clerk. And she said, well, you know, you have to use a computer. And I never used a computer before. And she said, and you're from Chicago, and you know this is just a temporary job. Why would you come from Chicago and be here for a temporary job that runs from April through to August? And after that, that's it. There's no job. And uh, I told her that I'll do this job better than anybody. She said that I looked her right in the eye, and I told her those words. I'll do this job better than anybody you could possibly hire. And she said, well, you know, there's another interview after this. So in a couple of weeks, you'd have to come back out again and interview with my manager. And I said, I'll do it. So I f- came back to Chicago, got a phone call a few days later. It was from Loretta, and she said, we decided to waive the second interview. We're going to offer you the job. So I came out to ABC, did the job, you know, took the job. It's so my first day. She put me on a computer and said, okay, this is what you have to use, a personal computer. And, I, again, I didn't know anything about it. So I just knew, said to myself, I'm going to have to learn this better than her and anybody else here to impress them so I can stay on as a uh, permanent full-time uh, employee. Well, not to show her up, but to really more to thank her for the opportunity. And I did. I studied it. I took it home. And I really applied myself. And uh, with that, I was able to take one report that took everybody else to do the same report on the computer 40 hours. It was a monthly report. So once a week, literally, it would the whole week was, was spent putting this report together. For me, I was able to get it down from 40 hours down to literally 60 seconds of my time. So I got promoted right after I was able to figure that out. It took couple of months and of course people were very supportive give me some tips and such um, but I was able to figure that out and I got promoted and then my whole career took off in the software industry and it went from there so I was able to get into the software industry from there and I haven't looked back well you know there's some things that are jumping out at me as you talk is really about this mindset that you had that you weren't owed anything and you were going to do whatever it took to succeed but you're going to do it in a way to really add value to the people that were giving you this chance and that mindset is lacking sometimes, or we have these limiting beliefs that prevent us from maybe uh, actualizing, actu, or bring that forth in our lives. What what was it about you then that allowed you to think that way? Because I know that's a big part of how you work with people today. 
Well, certainly, uh, thanks, John. My, my parents are both very positive thinkers, always reinforced having a positive attitude in life and being grateful and thankful for what you have. And so anybody that gives me an opportunity in life, I'm always going to be grateful and I'll be respectful to everybody, but certainly be grateful and do everything I can to pay back, pay it forward, so to speak, the people that give me opportunities uh, in life. So it's just really thanks to my parents with the great attitude they instilled in me as a kid growing up. So what you know after you had this uh, this win that you had, bring it from forty hours down to sixty seconds. So, wh- what happened next? Well, then I was uh, I I knew that I I could have a career in this because when I went to ABC, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I thought, well, my dad was a cameraman for ABC. He was the first mini cam cameraman in Chicago for ABC, and I thought, well, maybe I could do that. But again, you got to put your foot in the door, get your foot in the door to do all that stuff. So, but I just knew then that that this career w- working with computers was really more of a natural fit for me. So I, several years later, uh, met another person who I believe was another angel in my life. Uh, Kathy Floats was her name at the time, so we called her Floater. And I was working at a uh, insurance company in Chicago. By then, I moved back to Chicago, and uh, she came in, and I was doing some some uh, data processing work. Which, by the way, was that was also tough to get that job because I didn't have a degree. I, I barely had any background doing this stuff, but I had enough of a background to show people, look, I, I could develop and write program, you know, do programming and, and put other things together. So another person gave me a shot anyway. So Kathy Floats comes in one day and she said, we could use a guy like you. I said, use a guy like me to do what? So Kathy Floats was a sales rep for a software company. And she said, you know, to sell, sell software. And I said, I've never done any sales. I don't know anything about sales. What do you mean? She said, no, you would work with me. You would demonstrate the products and then, and I'll sell them to the customers. So you show them how they work. And I, cause you know, our products well. And I said, oh, well, that sounds good. So anyway, she set up an interview and she talked me up so much that essentially they took my pulse just to make sure I was breathing. And that was it. It was so easy to get the job because she <laughs> talked me up so well. And um, and then uh, things went great. I, I went from making about, at the time I was making about, I think about 17000 a year when I met Kathy. Immediately my pay jumped to about 60 thousand a year. And then it just kept going up from there. So, uh, But she was another one to give me an opportunity. I've been grateful to her ever since as well. Uh, and, and of course, doing everything I can to help other people along the way. So the software career has taken off. But also in 1987, I became an entrepreneur for the first time, part-time. So that kind of brings us forward here where I've been. Uh, I created a baseball board game named Baseball Classics, which I still sell today. And so I created this baseball board game from scratch. I advertised it in baseball trade magazines and back in 1987, as you you and the audience can appreciate, there was no internet and any of that stuff. It was a P.O. box I set up, and I put the ads out there, and I went to the P.O. box, and almost every day it was stuffed with envelopes of checks, people buying the game. So I learned you know, quickly what I needed to do to really become an entrepreneur on the side. I've been doing that ever since. And then coming into Fire Nation Elite – I started with Fire Nation Elite when it first opened in July 2013. So I wanted to make sure that I was bringing my sales career to give back to people within the group and sharing anything I've learned over my career, anything from the entrepreneur side as well, and then really dig into the online business world so I could really help people uh, with that as well, not only within the mastermind, but people outside of the mastermind as well. 
Well, now, before we talk about Fire Nation Elite, Dean, before we started recording, you were talking about kind of a, uh, an inflection point in your life. You'd had all these successes as a entrepreneur on the side in your sales career, but you'd really gotten to a point where there was some, some discontent there. There wasn't a lot of harmony and joy. What was that like? What, what did you notice at, at that point in your life? Well, I mean, it... Uh... There's some ups and downs financially because I'd have some really great years and I'd have some really lousy years. And uh, mostly the years were pretty good because even a bad year is still a good year considering, you know, relatively speaking for most people. But still, uh, still it could be struggles with that. And there was a point where it was getting really tough. And uh, this was probably, again, fairly recent. I would say five or so years ago. Um and then, and at the time, and this part of the story, I'll share, I need a chance to share with you and Steve, and I want to share this with, with you gentlemen, your listeners, that um, I was, uh, for the past seven years, every fall, I was in a men's uh, baseball league, 25 and older. Uh, it was fast pitch, and, and I was the older part of the 25 and older <laughs> part, of the, part of the league. So, and I love playing. I love baseball so much. So it was an opportunity to do that and be with the guys. And, and it was every fall. So it was really good timing. It didn't take too much of my time, but enough to wet my whistle for, uh, to play baseball for a good two and a half months or so. Well, in my seventh year, uh, by then I was already uh, 50, just turning 50, and I just had a message that spoke to me. Again, not spoken words literally, but the message uh, while I was out on the field in that seventh year was, you need to now not do this anymore as much as you love to play baseball, and you need to now instead use this time that you've been putting into playing baseball with your free time to volunteering and give back to the world, give back to people, and help in any way that you can. So I started doing that, and... Uh, I went to go work uh, for, well, I did some give back uh, for uh, my daughter's high school, doing some volunteering there. And then I also signed up with Chicago White Sox Charities. And that was a nice opportunity. And I'm still with them today because they have all different kinds of ways that you can volunteer and give back to the community from building bikes or fixing schools or uh, working at a some type of a uh, a food distribution center, all kinds of different things. Uh, so I've been doing that as well. And then over the past several years, a really great friend of mine, Jeff Gamlin, uh, who has just been, again, just a great gift to me as a friend. He, him and his wife had been working at a homeless shelter. So he said, and I was just explaining to him about, you know, hey, I want to start volunteering some more. He's like, why don't you come work with us at a homeless shelter? So I've been doing that for the past, oh, gosh, coming up on four years now, I think, or so, um, at a place named Hesed House in Aurora, in the same town that I live in. So it's nice to give back, like, really locally uh, where I'm at, to work in a homeless shelter and help these poor folks uh, in any way that I can. Uh, sometimes it's serving food. A lot of times it's handing out supplies for them. But once I started doing this volunteering, things in my life financially really started to change. And uh, there were some tough moments leading up to it. It wasn't like instantaneously. It's not like the first volunteer work I did that all of a sudden I, uh, $50,000 showed up in my bank account. It was, it was tough. You know, it was, there were some tough times there going through, uh, through those early parts of it. But then all of a sudden things really took off and I just really could feel it was really just, just a, I don't know, a response from God and just kind of, 
I don't want to say necessarily thanking me, but just really kind of appreciating that I was following his word to go do that. Um, and, you know, I'd have to say another thing that's been a good influence for me is my son, Ryan, uh, the oldest. Again, he's 28. Uh, he's uh, very much been dedicated to his church, him and his wife, and uh, doing a lot of volunteering and give back. And uh, he's been a really great inspiration as well along the way. So it, the volunteering, the give back, uh, you know, I did that and I still do that today. But again, when I joined Fire Nation Elite, I just wanted to take the same approach and things just turn out great. And one other key influencer here is Zig Ziglar. Now, unfortunately, we all lost Zig Ziglar a couple of years or so ago. But I love Zig Ziglar. I mean, not only is he such a smart man, but he's so witty as well, very funny, enjoyable to listen to. But he has so many inspiring things that he says. And my favorite quote of all time is one that he says, when you when you help enough other people get what they want in their life, you can get everything you want in your life. And so when I came to Fire Nation Elite, I absolutely lived by that mantra to just give back as much as I could. So if I rewind back on the day in that baseball field, when you heard this, whether it was the voice of God or just an awareness of the Holy Spirit sharing this with you, was this a whole new way of thinking for you? Was this a subtle shift for you or just a, a big leap? I would say it was a big leap, uh, especially to leave baseball. I mean, baseball was something I've always played since I was a kid, and I I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and it was kind of tough neighborhoods. I mean, it wasn't like really horrible, but, you know, it was kind of tougher neighborhoods growing up and baseball just kept me out of trouble because you know you're playing baseball you can't get in mischief you're out on the field you're playing ball and we would be out all day long and, and then uh doing that throughout my youth i've played endless days hours all of that of baseball so I, i'd say that to give that up and do volunteering instead something that i rarely did before was was a big move for me so you must have really had this deep awareness that this is what God wanted you to do to make such a big change in your life. Talk more about that. Yeah, it was very strong. I, I mean, I remember walking on the, I was on the field, this was during warm-ups of a game, and uh, we played in the evenings in this fall baseball league, which is in Naperville, Illinois, and it's still going on today. Uh, I just remember walking on the field and feeling it as I was walking, like, and I I remember which field I was on, and actually I was more on the right side of the foul line towards outfield walking when this feeling started to come over me and these words about, you need to stop doing this now. You've done it for seven years, and now use this time to give back to others and volunteer. It was very powerful, and it felt right, and so I was happy to do it. Well, you know, there's so many people that feel, that just seek to be able to hear that voice. And so many people I talk to that even though they hear that voice, though, they, they don't, there's no longing to fulfill that. For you, what gave you the courage really to, to make that, that step and kind of move into that obedience? Gosh, it was zero courage, really, John. It was just natural. I mean, it just felt like it's time. It, it was more of a just peace, peace, peaceful feeling. I mean, I've had several of those moments. I would imagine that, that, uh, quite a few folks do where they just kind of get this message and this feeling of something in life. I mean, I've had other things as well uh, like that in my life that were really powerful and just naturally followed them or, or some kind of answer that I was kind of searching for. But I, you know, I really believe when you look up, you know, in my case, when you look up to God and, and ask for that, uh, that you're 
you're going to get responded to. And then, of course, you need to be true and, and uh, fulfill that. I love how you talk about how, you know, you heard it because you must have been seeking for something in your life, but then how you walk that out. And I'd love for you to share some of the fruits of that today and a little bit about what Fire Nation Elite is is all about and what you're doing there because you're using this, you know, who you're being as a person now in a way to really powerfully impact many, many lives. Well, the fruits of it are just phenomenal. And it, it's, it's, of course, I can't give any specific or cite a specific tangible things that I could link up to it. Uh, because again, it's just, to me, it's just faith-based. Uh, however, uh, you know, I can give examples of how my life has really even turned around for the so much better um, since then. So again, while this, when this time frame was happening, um, the career I had in the software industry, it was, it was good. Again, not a complaint at all, but it was a struggle. I mean, the territory I had, and I don't want to blame it on the territory, but just everybody I worked with, it was tough. I was the number one sales rep in our territory, but we were all struggling. So to be number one of a struggling territory still isn't a lot to write home about. So financially, you're getting hit as a rep, and it's tough, and I had a lot of other financial obligations going on. So um, it, was, it was difficult to go through that. And then, uh, but again, I was able to still, to still do well. Um, especially compared to the the colleagues I had, but I you know I felt for everybody because I know how tough it was to have a at the time I was selling into Chicago's public sector or excuse me Illinois' public sector. So I had city of Chicago and state of Illinois. So you, they were both bankrupt and of course uh, known to being corrupt. Yeah. So that's the <laughs> bankrupt culture. and corrupt. But bankrupt and corrupt selling into that and still you know, selling millions of dollars of software, but still uh, over, you know, course of time, some years better than others, but, but tough. So things were, things were challenging. And then leaving that job, uh, having to go to get another job, which was a, kind of a sketchy, a lot of people were unsure of this other company. I was going to go to this other software company, but I just felt good about it. I felt right about it. And it, uh, and the people there were really good to me. And that, to me, was a, a big thing, a real big deal. I really put a lot of faith in people that I have a good gut feel, like I do with you, John, from the time we met. So, uh, I, And that gut has never let me down. So going to that job, it was tough at first as well because I took over, again, territory. I didn't get all the, the prime accounts initially up front, but I did get some that the person that hired me believed in me to, to give them to me. And... Anyway, I was able to turn things around and then do really great in this company. And I really believe it's, again, just all that give back, the volunteering, just starting to now all starting to blossom in other ways and come out uh, in those kind of ways financially for me. And then getting into Fire Nation Elite, that was something else along the way. And I wanted to continue that give back approach, like giving back with volunteering do the same thing within this community that I joined, this mastermind of initially, uh, there was 25 of us, then it grew to 50, and then eventually went to 100. Uh, and, and meeting John Lee Dumas along the way of Entrepreneur on Fire, you know, when I met, when I first started communicating with John, who has this incredible podcast, I mean, today he's earning, and again, not that life's all about money, I, that's not, not my point why I bring this up, but just to show his success, he was at, zero dollars income with this new business and so that was in september 2012 here we are february 
2015, he's earning $300,000 a month. I mean, so, so getting to know John, I knew him when he was at zero. So it's not like I, you know, went to go hang out with John because he was this guy making $300,000 a month. He was at zero and, but he was just a very genuine, good guy. So you could just feel that with John Lee Dumas. And he was just, just a real sincere guy. So I just happened to, to, to stay in touch with John and then eventually join that community and just wanted to give everything I had into that community. Just like I do as a dad giving back to my kids or can volunteering or friends and other family members, things like that. And all of that within Fire Nation Elite really started to blossom because, again, the give back, people that were giving me way more back to me and they keep they kept thinking that I'm doing all the give back. I think I, I see it as the other way around. Uh, so anyway, it's back to Zig Ziglar. Again, when you when you help enough other people get what they want, you get everything that you want. So it's really fascinating how that does come true. You know, it's interesting because I I see you as the biggest giver in that community, Dean. Uh, you are there's always something every day that you're putting into the community, into our lives that's just valuable. And I know out of that, you've started the the Firestarters podcast, which anybody who's an entrepreneur in business, getting into business, needs to subscribe to that. It's it's one of the first things I listen to when a new episode comes out. And maybe you could take some time here that we have left and just share some of the key lessons learned, you know, as you're working with an entrepreneur, whether they're an online company or an offline company, maybe some of the, the stumbling blocks, the obstacles, uh, or the things that are that were really key to people that you've seen who've done very well when they when they go in a new direction. Sure, John. Well, thanks for the nice compliments. Uh, it's very nice of you. It's uh, uh, especially coming from you. I really appreciate it. The um, the things that that I've seen again, I'm fortunate enough to be now running this mastermind for John Lee Dumas. It's definitely all his mastermind, but I'm just the lucky guy in the catbird seat that gets to work with all these great entrepreneurs and do, give as much as I can to share with the lessons learned from all the other entrepreneurs. Uh, so the, the the main lessons I've seen for sure, first one is mindset. People stumble on the mindset. And, and this is these are people that are in a mastermind of entrepreneurs. They, are, they stumble. I don't want to say everybody does, but... I will say a good 75 to 80% struggle one way or another with their mindset of starting something and there's fear. So it's, it's really encouraging those folks to let them know they can do anything. And John, when it comes to courage and mindset, I mean, you're certainly one of the people I know in my life that just is an amazing story and people can be incredibly inspired by that to go do anything, let alone start an online business. I mean, that's, and is like simple Simon stuff compared to the rest. So uh, the, I'd say the mindset is certainly a holdback um, for folks. Um, so they're not sure if they can be successful. Uh, another thing I see is that they just aren't sure what to do. Even though there's so much information about be, being an entrepreneur out there, uh, it's not curated necessarily. And if you want to curated, a lot of cases you got to pay a lot of money. When I say curated, somebody's going to kind of teach you how to do it and show you all the different ways to do it. So it... Um, so we want to help within Fire Nation Elite give that curation, which I, you know, I, I believe we, we do a pretty good job of that, helping people give them guidance where they start to kind of go off course a little bit because they just haven't had that experience. So, um, so the, And then uh, another struggle I see for people is that they're concerned about their finances. Will they have enough money to be able to become an entrepreneur? And there's a lot of information out there, as I was mentioning, about becoming an entrepreneur. And some of it can be very frightening and overwhelming in terms of how much money you could spend on things. 
Well, I'm a big proponent of let's keep it simple. You can get started just like I did in 1987 with just a couple of wooden nickels that you rub together. It doesn't require a fortune to get started. And, and so I'm not a proponent of taking out big loans or loans to get started. It's not necessary, especially in the online business world. So um, helping people in those three ways and overcoming those struggles is something I really enjoy doing uh, on a daily basis. No, I'd love to circle back for a second from mindset because I, I think that is so important. If people have been going through life and they've had success in different areas of their life, how do you help people start to see themselves as that person that can be the leader, you know, lead a team, be financially successful? Because for a lot of people, that is a, it seems like a subtle shift, but for some people, they get really stuck in how to look at that from a different perspective that would be very liberating. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think the thing that works for me when I work with these folks, John, is just keeping them positive. There was something I learned from uh, one of the many great salespeople I learned from along my professional career. And that was one time there was a deal that I was working on. It was my first million-dollar deal. And it was some, t- some days it looked like it was going to happen, and other days didn't look like it was going to happen. And it was, again, a million-dollar deal is a big deal. And so one day it didn't look like it was going to happen. And he just said to me, which is actually extremely rare in the sales business, I mean, being in professional sales, again, for 25 years, I've seen this. It's pretty rare for a sales, especially a sales manager or a VP to say these words that that my VP said to me, Dean, if you give up on this deal mentally, if you you have any kind of hint that you show that you're kind of giving up on this deal and thinking it's not going to happen, everybody else around you is going to think it's not going to happen. So until it's like over and you really know that it's over, believe in it, stay positive. And that is so true. And I went on to get that million dollar deal, by the way, I kept my attitude up positive. And again, it was, it was uh, easy to relate to that because of the way my parents raised me. And so within Fire Nation Leader, working with other entrepreneurs, I always am encouraging them with a positive attitude. And I tell them, you, got, you know, look back at the things you've accomplished in life because we've all accomplished so many great things we don't give ourselves enough credit for. We take for granted, including just speaking, learning a language, English, or whatever language people speak. I mean, we take it, these things for granted that we could just do them riding a bike. I remember teaching my kids to ride a bike. My one daughter was like, dad, I'll never learn. It'll never happen. You know, and uh, two hours later, she's down there pedaling the bike, uh, but she was total, you know, big drama queen about it. So anyway, same <laughs> positive. And I told her, are you telling me that you know, of all the people that learned, or, you know, wanted to, went to learn to ride a bike, you're going to be the only one out of millions of people that cannot learn how to ride a bike. You're going to be the only one. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. I'm like, get on that bike. You can do it. You can you do this. So the positive attitude is, is to me, the big difference maker. You know, I think that's such a great point, though, because if, you know, you look in business, you look in your own life, and you look at uh, great victories and great wins that you have. Or if you think, you know, maybe it's really hard this path forward, either to be a great leader, to lead a team, to lead an organization, to start a company, we can always find stories of people that maybe had less abilities than ourselves or less opportunities or less resources, but they were able to do it. And if you look at some of these stories and you put yourself in those people's shoes, what you're talking about is really it's the hope for this future that you want to move yourself into. It's the same thing with our faith. You know, there's people that just have incredible relationships with God and it's in every part of their life, but 
Um, you know, and we want that for ourselves. We want these extraordinary relationships. Maybe it's with our spouse and, and our kids and, you know, the people we work with to g- give back in our community. And when you start putting those together and looking at examples outside of yourself, and then the one thing I love about Fire Nation Elite is then you get into association with people that have done what you want to do and are ahead of you in the journey. And that's how you learn. That, that's something I learned early on when I was in Navy flight school that allowed me to accomplish some things I, I didn't honestly think that I would be able to do. But I did it through that association and finding people that had done what I wanted to do but were ahead of me and, and asked them to mentor me and, and so into my life. And that's something you're doing right now, and I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, John. I mean, to break it down for everybody, I mean, this would be, to me, the number one takeaway uh, that I could leave for folks. And to me, it's just a very simple lesson in life. Again, I'm a simple guy, but we've all heard the saying, you have to achieve, you have to believe to achieve. So you have to believe to achieve. So to me, I'm a big proponent of you have to believe to achieve, but there's another part to that, that people don't say afterwards. You have to apply to fly high. I mean, uh, so especially you could really appreciate that part of it. The Again, when you you have to believe to achieve something, but then you still have to apply yourself in order to fly high and make that happen. And those are the two things. When you do those two things, you could do anything. You could do anything. You, 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 when you believe and then you apply, those two things happen, achieving and flying high. To learn more about Dean's podcast, Firestarters, his website, his blog, even his baseball game, just go to eternalleadership.com slash 054. That's eternalleadership.com slash 054. All those links be in our show notes, eternalleadership.com slash 054. Next time on Eternal Leadership, entrepreneur, leadership coach, and the host of the Dose of Leadership podcast, Richard Ryerson. You cannot grow others unless you grow yourself. I think a lot of times we think, well, I got to get these people to follow me. And that leads to a lot of the external factors or a lot of tactics of trying to fix somebody or fix the situation or fix the team. When in reality is if we spent 80% of our time or more on ourselves on getting our inside right, then we give people around us the freedom to do the same. And just through osmosis, they're going to they're gonna feel empowered to do the same. Now, if you become more intentional about it, then you become on fire. And that's, that's just the way I look at it. This was a short but good one for John Ramstead. I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Mm-hmm.